Hi everybody, I hope you have all had a fabulous week. Last night we had our first ever virtual Bible study. We used, um, we did it through Zoom and it went very well. It was very different. It was not the same as being together in person, but it was better than not being together at all. So we discussed Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and 10 last night. Um, and then chapter 9 starts out, the title for chapter 9 in my Bible says, is called A Common Destiny for All. And I'm not going to read that. I'm going to summarize it. Um, but it talks about how death comes to all. It doesn't matter who we are, what our status is, what we have, what we don't have. You know, in the end, death comes to all. Um, and that death functions as the great leveler. And I like how it puts that because it puts it into perspective. You know, once again, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter who we know. It doesn't matter um, what our status is. It doesn't matter how much money we had or how little we had. Uh, what our job was. Nothing. None of that will matter in the end. Um, and then it, in my footnotes explained this, and it talks about, like I said last, in the last study, they call the Quoheleth, is what they keep referring to, the person that wrote this uh, book of Ecclesiastes. Um, in Hebrew, Quoheleth means the teacher. And so, this person who wrote this book of Ecclesiastes was teaching us these, this wisdom through this wisdom literature. And um, he's teaching us wise ways to, to, you know, wise mindsets, wise ways to live, etc. So, <clears throat> and it says that the the teacher here contrast this thought and his viewpoint with things that he said earlier in Ecclesiastes. So like he goes back and forth between his opinion on whether it's better to just not even been born or whether it's better to have lived and you know face things in the world. And it says that the teacher's depression and despair caused him to sway back and forth in his opinion. And part of that is because, well, one, he was human too. God was using him. And yeah, he used him big because the revelation God gave him is a book in the Bible. Like, he used him hardcore. But he was also human. And that helps me to know, you know, like when I'm struggling that it doesn't forfeit everything that God's doing in my life and that he's using me for because I'm I'm on the struggle bus at that moment. Like he is still gonna use me and utilize me for his good and let me, you know, work for him like and do great things with him. So one thing that we have to remember 
is, and the reason why he probably struggled with this is because this book is an Old Testament book. And a lot of the Old Testament, um, well, in the Old Testament, they didn't, you know, they don't view eternity like we do because they were still in the in the time where they had to make sacrifices to cover their sins and different things like that, you know, like, um, <clears throat> so that's partially why he viewed death in such a negative manner because he didn't look at it. He wasn't able to know what we know and look at it like we look at it because we know God died for our sins, and we have heaven to look forward to um, if we have him in our heart. And so anyway, that just clarified that to me because I, I had been wondering why he is so down on death because, you know, we look at it as Christians knowing that, you know, heaven is our destiny, that we don't have to fear death and we don't have to dread death because we know that where our eternity is going to be, you know, we're going to be with Jesus, and anyway, so he says that the most miserable life is better than the grandest death, because only in life is there hope, and only in life is there hope, you know, once we, once we pass away, once we die, there's no more hope, because we're where we are, you know, like, we can hope for people and we can we can hope for change. We can hope for big things that we want to do. We have dreams, we have goals, we have visions, we have, you know, plans and all of that. We only have that while we're alive. So verse 739 um, discusses how we should enjoy earthly pleasures while life lasts because death brings the end of pleasure. And that we should also enjoy relationships with others and enjoy the work that we do. Um, you know, if we're not enjoying what we're doing and the people in our life, we're going to be miserable. So we have to choose joy. And it's easy for us to get bogged down in the negative and uh, bummed out and depressed if we don't take our thoughts captive because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep feeding us things to get bring us down. Because when we're down, one, we're not enjoying it. And um, two, when we're down like that, we can't be as effective for Jesus as we need to be. So um, we, we need to enjoy life. And we need to actively make that choice. We have to be intentional about making that choice also. Um, so then, verse 10 says, I'm going to read verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So, you know, whatever we do, we need to do it like we're doing it for Jesus. Um, do everything for God's glory. So even, okay, our job, do it like you're doing it for Jesus. Um, 
If you're taking out the trash, act like you're taking out the trash for Jesus. Don't be upset about taking out the trash. Do it like you would if you were doing it for Jesus. Um, laundry is one thing that I, I hate doing laundry. So, I have to remind myself that, you know, I'm going to do this with gladness and be thankful that I have the laundry to do. And, um a washer and dryer to clean my laundry with and clothes hangers and closets to put my laundry away with and I'm thankful in that aspect of it and um then do it like I was like I'm working for Jesus like you know this is the job this is one job God did give me as a mother and a wife is to make sure our laundry is clean and you know prepared and ready to wear and I hadn't always, I'm not saying that I don't always have laundry baskets full and, um, clothes that needs to be washed and put away by any stretch of the imagination, you should come and see it sometime. But I am saying that we, if we get in that mindset of doing it like we're doing it for Jesus, it makes things much easier. Um, so then... Verse 11 talks about how, once again, like we've already discussed, that it doesn't matter how strong, how wise, how smart, how brilliant, how rich we are. It doesn't matter. Time and chance happen to them all, you know. We never know when our time will come or, you know, what will happen to us. Or when it'll happen to us. When our time will come to go be with Jesus. Um, so then verse 12 says. Moreover no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net. Or birds are taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times. That fall unexpectedly upon them. <clears throat> and I wrote off to the side in my Bible. To be ready and not fearful like we should always be ready for our time to go be with Jesus you know our hearts need to be prepared so that we're ready to go meet him whenever it is but we shouldn't be fearful of it like we don't it's not going to benefit us at all to live in fear and hide in our homes or you know go to extreme measures because we are fearful of death because we shouldn't be fearful of it if we know where our eternity is going to lie um but then also during bible study um somebody in our group mentioned that when they read it not only did they take it as um you know our time of death but also as you know, we don't know what will happen in our in our time, in our life. Like it says, as fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. So this person mentioned this um, being like difficult times in our world like we're living in right now you know we have to always be ready because we never know what's gonna happen like 
we just have to always be ready and trusting God so that whenever stuff does happen, <clears throat> we're not caught off guard and knocked off our feet. So, also, we can't be fearful of things that happen either because God is in control and He has us. This next section in my Bible, it titles it, Wisdom is Better Than Folly. And it's talking about the importance of wisdom and how wisdom is actually better than strength. And that's what it says in verse 16. It says, wisdom is better than strength. Um, But I'm going to read 13 through 16 very quickly. It says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. So now... Verse 14 is, 14 through 16 is the example of wisdom that impressed the teacher who wrote Ecclesiastes. So, here's the example. There once was a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge sage works against it. So, I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Because I didn't know what sage works was, so I had to look that word up in the dictionary. And a sage is a military operation in which enemy forces surround a town or building, cutting off essential supplies with the aim of compelling the surrender of those inside. So, I'm going to start at 14 and read it again now that we know what sage works means. So there once there was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge sage works against it. Now there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. Um, so that is the example that wisdom is better than strength. I wish I knew what he did. Um, it doesn't tell us that. I wish I knew what the man did that saved the city by using his wisdom. But, you know, often when we use our wisdom, it isn't big dramatic events that take place. It's very calm, subtle a lot of times. Um, But, you know, wisdom is better than strength. Like we can do things on our own and try to um, do things without using our wisdom and God, and we're never going to make it far. We'll end up messing things up more than anything if we we try that. Um, Verse 17 and 18 I'm going to read. They say, The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And um, my footnotes tell me that wisdom is better than strength, better than the powerful weapons of war. Every individual has a tremendous influence for good or evil in this world. And we do. We all have the opportunity to influence those around us for Jesus or for the enemy. And 
we have to make sure that we're using wisdom and every in everything that we do so that we can make sure that we are um influencing others around us for for Jesus and for the good. So then we go to verse 10. I mean chapter 10, sorry. And chapter 10 is a collection of wisdom sayings that was recorded. So it's just little uh little sections of wisdom that we can take and ponder on and to help give us revelation into different things and how to handle life, basically. So we're going to read a few of them and break them down. Um, <clears throat> so verse 1 says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And when I read that, I pictured a um, bottle of perfume. You know, it smells good. We want to wear it. But when a fly dies, and when there's a dead fly in it, even one, uh, we don't want to wear it anymore because that's gross. And, you know, that it's going to start to stink after a while. It's going to mess with the smell of the perfume. And... Same with us as Christians, as believers and followers of Jesus, we can, <clears throat> um, we have our influence that God has given us, but we decide, oh, well, I'm just going to sin a little bit. I'm just going to do this one thing that don't really matter. But what we're doing is we're polluting our testimony just a little bit. To where somebody might be like, mm, I don't want nothing to do with that, you know. So that's what that made me think of. And that's the picture that popped in my head when I read it. <clears throat> so then verse 2. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. You know, we know what's right and wrong. When we're given choices and we know which one we should do and which one we should not do. Or we want to do something, but we know we should or shouldn't. You know, we know. And we have to use our wisdom to stay on the right path. So then, I'm going to skip down to verse 4. It says, If a ruler's anger rouses against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. And, you know... In case you forgot, I said, I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. And um, so I have been in all three of these situations. I've been where um, I've went at somebody angrily and they've come back at me angrily. Nothing good came from that. Okay, I've been where I've been angry at somebody and I went to them angry and they responded in calmness and kindness and love. And that helped me to, you know, lay my offenses to rest and not continue to be upset. We were able to talk about it and deal with it. Um, I've also been on the other side of it where somebody's come to me and I have responded in calmness and you know, it diffused the situation. So this is um, very important that we, you know, make sure that we don't 
respond in anger, but we respond in calmness and love and kindness. So then verse 6 says, Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. And my footnotes for that say that the values of the world are often mixed up and are the reverse of what they should be. And, you know, if we look around, we can see that everywhere where the values of our world that we live in today are not what lines up with the Bible. And, you know, that's one reason why we have to be in our word for ourselves, so that we know what it says. We can't constantly just trust um, what everybody else says. We need to be in the word ourselves. But then, you know, it says in verse 7 that... I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. And that gives me hope because that tells me that God's going to raise people up that maybe wouldn't necessarily be the people that we would think would be raised up, but he's going to raise people up to be a voice for him. And um, he's going to put people that appear in lowly positions or you know, that we wouldn't think would have influence. He'll give them influence in order to um, do and speak for him and what his word says. Again, this will happen in calm, love, and kindness kind of way because love is the only thing that's going to change people's hearts and minds. It's never going to be argument or hate or anything like that. That will never change anybody's minds. God doesn't want us to be that way. So we have to make sure that we are always responding in love, kindness, and calmness. Okay, so then eight and nine say, Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever queries... I don't know if I'm saying that word right. Stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. And my footnotes for those say that anything worthwhile or any worthwhile endeavor involves a risk. And that is so true. It can be as a risk as small as I'm going to, you know tell this person about Jesus or I'm going to tell them about something that I'm going to give them hope in Jesus. And, you know, that is a worthwhile endeavor because, you know, in the end they are um, better off and, you know, have Jesus in their heart and going to get to go to heaven. Or, I mean, and the risk to that could be, well, like, what are they going to think? I mean, so... Also, a worthwhile endeavor could also be maybe it's a business idea that somebody wanted to start or maybe it's a a ministry that somebody wanted to birth. You know, it can be possibilities are endless, but any worthwhile endeavor involves a risk of some sort is what that's telling us. So then verse 10 says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. And the footnotes for that say, um, there you go. The possibility of failure is always present. Wisdom involves using brains and not just brawn. So, you know, 
God gave us our brain for a reason. He gave us common sense. He intends for us to use them. Um, like that says, if the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, okay, if you're wanting to cut down a tree with that axe, it's not going to work out well because it's not, it's not going to fulfill its purpose that it was created to do because it is dull and it is unsharpened. Um, because it is dull and unsharpened, more strength is needed. So, you know, just like us, we have to be, we have to make sure we're not dull and that we are sharpened so that the way that we do that is by being in our word, being in our Bible, being in our, or being prayed up, being in, you know, constant communication with Jesus and listening for what he speaks to us and being obedient and doing what he tells us to do, um, that's going to help us to not become dull and unsharpened. But, you know, when when we're sharpened and ready to go, you know, the skill, it'll bring success. And I like to think of it like this too. Like a athlete, you know, if they're attending all their practices and they're working out and they have learned the rules of the game and they um, – know all of that and are working so hard they're going to bring success but if they don't attend the practices and they don't work out and they don't know the rules of the game they're not going to bring success you know same thing for the acts and, and us as christians so then verse 11 says if a snake bites before it is charmed the charmer receives no fee you know this is another one where we have to use our brain um in our common sense, we can't um, decide that it's an idea to buy a big broken down bus and spend all of our money on this broken down bus and not have enough money to make the repairs to it. That's going to end up biting us like the snake bit the charmer before he was able to charm it. You know, buying that bus would bite us before we're able to do what we want to do with it because we just made a bad decision. So, you know, don't do stuff that's dangerous that we know that's dangerous. Don't do stuff that's just not smart. Um, 12 says, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. Um, that is true. You know, we want to be gracious, like we talked about in verse... Um, was it verse four you know we got to respond in love and calmness and all of that like we have to be gracious um let's see then verse 14 says fools multiply words no one knows what is coming who can tell someone what will happen after them there is wisdom in silence you know, silence is golden. Those are quotes, and I don't know who they're by. And then there's this other quote, and I may not have it word for word, but it's something like, um, even fools appear wise before they open their mouth, you know. And I don't know whose quote that is, but it's true. You know, we don't want to... Um, just say things just to say things we want to make sure that we're careful with our words and what we speak 
verse 16 was super important. It says, Woe to the land whose king is a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Um, you know, be a servant leader. Don't, I mean, Jesus was a servant leader. He didn't just sit there and tell everybody else what to do all the time. He got down in the dirt and did the the hard work with them. And that's how we should be, too, if we're striving to be like Jesus. We don't want to be somebody who just sits and tries to tell everybody else what to do all the time. That's a dictator. We want to be a servant leader. We want to be in the trenches with people and leading by example, not just by our words. Because, you know, my favorite quote, or one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who it's by, but it says, an ounce of behavior is worth a pound of words. And that's so true. You can say something all day long, but a little bit of action proves that you mean what you say. And um, same thing with our leader. We're not going to want to just sit and listen to them all the time. But when we see them working hard at something and we see them, you know, actually doing and walking out what we what they're telling us to do and walk out, then we're going to be more inclined to get in there with them. Same thing with people with us. So be like Jesus, be a servant leader. Then verse 18 says, Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. And, you know, footnotes tell us that this is a warning against laziness, which we know that we shouldn't be lazy. Jesus doesn't approve of lazy people. And by that, it doesn't mean that you can't have a lazy day where you just chill because Jesus knows we need rest sometimes. But it just means constant laziness. Same thing with our, not just our um, physical house and our job and everything that we shouldn't be lazy in, but we also have to make sure that we keep up our spiritual house. We cannot let the rafters sag um, or let leaks start happening because of our idle hands. We have to make sure that our spiritual house is kept up, that we are in our word, that we are in prayer, that we are spending time with Jesus, that we're listening to him. Because <clears throat> when the storm comes, we want to make sure that our house will stand and that it will not crumble because things are going to happen things are going to come up in our life and situations are going to happen that is not good. Okay, so that's the storm. And we don't want that to cause us to sink into depression or to um, <clears throat> spiral out of control with our thoughts. We have to make sure that we're able, that we're stable enough spiritually to take those thoughts captive and to go to Jesus and to trust him and have faith and be able to walk through that situation strong. And yeah, we might need others to help us, but we know that we need others and we can go to them and we can ask for help. But that's just super important that we make sure that we keep that house up, our spiritual house, so that it doesn't begin to break down. Um, and sometimes we need people to help us repair things. 
And that's okay because God made us to need each other. And so we should never be too proud or too prideful to call on somebody and say, I need help because um, we can help each other get through things in difficult situations. Um, let's see, then verse 20 is the last verse in this chapter, and it says, Do not revile the king even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what it, you say. And this is, the footnotes to this say, be careful what you say, where it does get around. And that is so true. That is so true. You, we have to be careful what we say. And we have to make sure that um, we say things in a way that wouldn't hurt people. And we want to make sure that whatever we say, if it did get to that person, that it's not going to hurt their feelings and that it will build them up, if anything, or it'll make them feel good about themselves because of what we said. Um, <clears throat> we don't want to tear people down. We want to build people up. Also, we looked at that like sometimes it's not necessarily something bad that we say. Maybe it's something that we know that we're not supposed to share yet that's going to get shared later, but it's not our place to share it, and then we accidentally share it. Um, we have to be careful with that kind of stuff too because, um, you know, we don't want to break trust with people. We want to be able to be dependable and trustworthy when we say that we won't say anything. Um, so, that's all of chapters 9 and 10. I hope that you um, have received some type of revelation out of this study. And I hope that as you go through chapter 9 and 10 and read it um, in your Bible for yourself, that... You know, God gives you even deeper revelation of things and that he will um, continue to speak to you throughout the week on this stuff and give you um, deeper revelation and wisdom through all of it. So, I will um, see you guys next week. I hope you'll have a lovely weekend.